Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mad Finders Financial Independence Podcast. I know it's been a while since the last episode, but it's been a crazy couple of months as we've tried to sell most of our belongings in preparation for our big move abroad. I'm happy to say that we made it to Scotland, so now that we're finally settled, I'm hoping to increase my podcasting frequency, so look out for some additional Financial Independence Podcast episodes soon. I'm really excited to share an interview with Justin Cook from EmpireFlippers.com today. Uh, Justin reached out to me after listening to my interview with Billy Murphy from ForeverJobless.com and said he'd be willing to come on the show to dive even deeper into the topic of online business investing. Since I was already subscribed to the Empire Flippers blog and a fan of their podcast before he emailed me, I jumped at the chance to get Justin on the show to talk a little bit more about this stuff, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, Justin's in a unique position uh, in this space in that he runs a marketplace for buying and selling websites. So he sees it from both sides and he's, uh, actually in the business of curating and finding good websites to sell. So, so his knowledge on the topic is vast and I was really excited to talk to him a little bit more about, you know, what to look for when trying to buy an online business. Um, I know many of you really enjoyed the episode I did with Billy Murphy. So I'm sure you're going to love today's interview with Justin. Um, we actually had some technical difficulties during the interview. Justin's based in the Philippines, and for some reason, I wasn't able to hear anything he was saying, but he was able to hear everything I was saying. So uh, luckily, he decided to record his half of the interview, uh, and then he just sent it to me afterwards. Um, but I have to thank Justin for being a pro and rolling with the punches, because it was probably really obvious that I wasn't even listening to his answers uh, based on the next question I was asking. But uh he answered everything like a pro, and after editing everything together, it sounds great. So uh, maybe you'll be able to pick up on the point where I was actually able to hear what he was saying, but uh, hopefully not, because it just all it all flows. So yeah, without further delay, let's get into the interview. Uh, here it is, Justin Cook from EmpireFlippers.com. Hey, Justin, thanks a lot for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, Brandon. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Just uh, my audience may not know uh, too much about you. So, just uh, if you wouldn't mind, just giving a little background. Um, I know you guys are doing some amazing things over there in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, where where exactly are you at uh, right now? So, I'm actually in Davao City, Philippines, which is the south uh, of the Philippines. I've been here for almost five years. Uh, my business partner and I started an outsourcing company here just about five years ago. And uh, so we're based in the Philippines. We're both Americans. And I uh, decided to move out here to kind of start this company, um, you know, uh, that we had worked for previously. So we were working with our major client was our previous employer. We basically outsourced our jobs and started a company in, uh, in the Philippines. No kidding. So, so how, yeah, tell me a little bit about that transition. So did you, uh, did you guys plan this for a while? Did you, you know, have a lot of money saved up to make this move? Or was this pretty, like, you know, impulsive and you guys just headed out there? So we were making decent money uh, working in the U.S. and in Southern California for our previous employer, you know, about 70000 a year each. Um, we were mid-level management for this, you know, kind of small to mid-sized company. And they had a real need uh, for agents, for people, because a lot of their processes were manual. They had, it was like required that they're manual and it was online stuff. So we had had a connection from a previous company we had that failed, a real estate company with virtual assistants. And so we said, look, hey, we have this connection in the Philippines. We think we can make this work. And they said, sure, let's try it out. And so we started trying it out, and it started working really well. And we said, huh, there might be something here. Maybe this is our next business opportunity. And so we started exploring 
you know, setting up a full team in the Philippines and an office and everything. And then we pitched it to our bosses, our CEO and CFO, and they went for it. They said, yeah, that sounds great. We don't want to own computers or, you know, we don't have a, we don't want to have a Philippines company. So if you guys set that up, uh, then we can just, you know, work with you and, uh, you can outsource your, yourselves to the Philippines and we'll have a good relationship that way. So we, uh, we went for it. That's incredible. So, uh, so how did how has it evolved since you uh, since you've been there? I know you guys have done made a few shifts since you've been out there. So if you could just talk a little bit about you know you know what happened once you got there and uh, how how things have changed. So those shifts were were forced on us to some degree. So we we got out here and we had this you know relationship with our previous employer and uh, less than a year they started cutting back on us pretty dramatically. So um, even though they got us our start, you know they cut back and so we were replacing them with new clients and customers, but just not really fast enough, right? So it was just kind of, it remained like a lifestyle job. Uh, so it was, it was a job basically. And, and it paid for our, paid for our living out here, paid, you know, paid us a reasonable salary, but it wasn't taking off like we, we kind of expected it to. And, and then when they finally canceled, you know, we had all these extra, you know, employees that were trained, uh, that had skills that we couldn't use. And so we started, building these niche websites, right? Small websites that are content-based that had some advertising on them. And we just kind of did that as a whim just to, to kind of, uh, you know, help them cover their costs until we could get them placed with, you know, a real client for our main company. And, uh, and we started building these sites and they started to earn a little bit of money and earn a little bit of money. And, and we ended up realizing that uh, maybe we could sell these to realize some cash flow up front that would let us expand the operation. So we started uh, selling these websites off, and we realized there's this huge demand for profitable earning websites. Uh, we weren't terribly familiar with the space before. I'd bought a website previously, and we'd done a little bit, but we didn't know the demand was there. So you know that it was so high. So we really started to focus on that for our business, and uh, started sharing it through a blog and a podcast, and and the response was just incredible. It was it was a lot easier than any previous business we'd done before. And I think that was there were a couple of reasons for that, but it just it just clicked uh, like some of our previous businesses hadn't, and so that became our our main focus was you know building, buying, and selling websites. That's really cool. So obviously you must have learned a ton about you know what to look for in sites. And uh, I know I one of my previous guests was uh, Billy from ForeverJobless.com, and you know he's he was a big e-commerce guy, and there was a lot of interest after that. Uh, episode aired and you know i've even had readers um email me and say you know they've started they've actually purchased a site and you know they're looking and they're learning all about you know online business and things so um since you've been in the business for a while and you no doubt can compare you know what you've seen online to what you were doing offline prior to that but uh would you mind uh just you know diving a little bit into that you know comparing the differences between offline and online real estate investments, um, uh, you know, just properties online versus actually, you know, buying a brick and mortar business or maybe investing in like a, a rental property or something like that. How, how do they compare? So one of the things about online uh, investments is that you're able to get them at much lower multiples than you would be like a rental property. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's comparable to talk, you know, in offline real estate in terms of years for multiples, in terms of like, you know, how long it'll take me to, to recoup my investment, whereas online you can talk about it in months. 
So for example, for an online uh, investment, you may be looking at anywhere from, let's say, 15x to 25x. So those are the months of net profit you'll be purchasing the business or the website at, and how quickly, uh, if it can you know, stay the same, it would be expected to earn its money back. Now, the problem with that is that it's a little more risky. So you, know, you may buy a website, and within six months, it's down to half of what it was. At the same time, you have the opportunity there, too. So you'll have you know, websites that take off, that double or triple inside of you know, 12 to 18 months. So uh, there's much more volatility, I think. Um, and I, I, you could say this probably you know, 10 years ago or whatever, but then the, the uh, real estate market uh, took a bit of a turn uh, in the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, there's some volatility there, too. But I, th- I still think that offline investments are a bit safer uh, in terms of um, you know, less variation or less you know, fluctuation. But online properties, I think, have a ton of opportunity. And because it's, it's such a growing industry or it's like an emerging market that I think there's just you know, a ton of opportunity to grab um, – you know, while it's continuing its growth curve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, the the multiples are definitely very exciting. But yeah, as you mentioned, obviously, if you're getting such good multiples, there's a lot of risk associated with it. Um, so what have you found? Obviously, well, yeah, before we get into that, let's talk about where you're at now and what, what you're doing with Empire Flippers, because that'll lead nicely into what I was hoping to talk to you about next. So yeah, just, uh, just tell us a little bit about Empire Flippers and, um, you know, the process you go through and finding sites uh to sell on your on your site so we were building out a bunch of sites ourselves and selling them off as uh you know little properties that people invest in and you know we realized that we just simply couldn't create enough sites to meet demand and you know there's a failure rate that come with starting brand new sites i mean you know at least 20 20 to 40 percent of sites we'd start would make nothing um so what we realized is that there was a whole bunch of people that wanted to sell on our platform We'd previously sold on Flippa, which is like the number one place, like the eBay for buying and selling websites. Um, but our buyers reached out to us and said, look, the problem is I'm buying on Flippa and you guys share everything publicly, all the you know, earnings, everything. And then I get like a dozen copycats right after I buy the site because everyone goes, oh, I can recreate that site. And so you get a bunch of people competing in the niche. They said, look, can you just sell it privately and not mention the niche? And so we said, huh, that's an interesting idea. So we started selling privately to buyers, and they started reaching out to us more and more. And then we said, well, you know, there are probably other sellers that would like to do this too, so why don't we start matching these buyers and sellers up? And so we let them actually compete with us on our own marketplace that was you know, intended for us to sell our own sites, and, and we found just amazing value there. So there are these people that want to sell off, let's say, an e-commerce site that Billy Murphy has or, or you know, any number of the other guys that are talking about e-commerce – and they want to, you know, work on their next project. They're moving on to something else, and they've got this uh, this asset that, you know, they don't plan on working on anymore, and they'd like to get some value out of it. So we have buyers lined up that are interested in, you know, taking over those websites and continuing to grow them out. Um, you know, some people ask like, when's a good time to sell? And I think a really good time to sell is when you don't plan on working on the website anymore. So when you've kind of lost that that fire, that spark that you had when you started. Um, it's probably a good time to get out. We, we had a website that uh, we kind of dropped. It was making like 2000 a month. And over a few years, we just kind of let it dwindle down to a couple hundred bucks a month. And, and looking back, we probably should have sold that a little earlier um, rather than waiting for it to go down. And so I think you know, that's a, a pretty good time for someone that owns one of these sites to sell is when, they, when their focus is elsewhere, when they've turned their attention to another business, that's a, a good time to offload, I think. And, and we're there to help those sellers out. 
Yeah, that's great. And the, the thing I like about your site compared to a site like Flippa, um, you seem to curate, you know, the ones that you sell. Um, you know, Flippa's just, you know, you can put anything up there, and there's a lot of, you know, probably really spammy, nasty sites up there. But uh, Empire Flippers, you know, there's there's less sites, but the quality seems to be a lot higher. And um, when you go to Empire Flippers, you can see, you know, something presumably you or your business partner had written about the site, you know, um, and talking a little bit, you know, about what's good about it and what, what, uh, things have been looked into and things like that. So, uh, can you tell, talk about just, uh, you know, what the sort of process is when you, uh, when you obtain a site to sell and what you guys sort of look into and, uh, how much vetting you guys actually do? Yeah, so one of the complaints we heard from from buyers is that, you know, with Flippa is that, you know, there's just so many sites, it's really hard to dig through and find the, the golden nugget, so to speak. And and so, you know, we realized that, you know, some kind of vetting process where you limit um, the quantity, you know, and, and focus on quality of websites was, was interesting to buyers. And so we said, why don't we do that? So all of the websites that get listed with us have gone through a vetting process, which basically means we've looked at the traffic and looked for... Um, bad link profiles. We've looked for sketchy traffic sources, um, fake traffic, like from bots and that kind of thing. We've also researched the seller, so we've gotten information on them, made sure that their online profiles are real. They have you know re- real Facebook friends that are really commenting on their pictures and, and that kind of stuff. So there's some accountability uh, rather than just some random you know internet person. Um, so yeah, we look at a, a number of factors, including traffic and, and uh, revenue sources as well, to make sure that. It matches up with their claims, um, so that's basically the vetting process we go through. We, we uh, deny about thirty to forty percent of the listings that submit with us. That's right now. That may change in the future, obviously depending. Um, and then we list the rest, the ones that meet our criteria. Now, that's not full due diligence because you know technically we're agents of the seller. We're helping the seller sell their website, so. Uh, you know, we're, we're representing them. So it's, it's up to every buyer to do their own due diligence. But, you know, I think our curation process just limits some of the crap that you might see otherwise. Like we just let anyone list anything, it would just get really messy. So um, you have a better chance of uh, finding a gem. It's easier. And I think you can trust the process a bit more. Um, and, and, you know, when you're doing due diligence as a buyer, it can get messy if you're doing all this due diligence on sites that, are you know clearly not going to you know meet the profile that you're looking for whereas i think with us you have a better chance so you know i think you have to do less uh, due diligence or you have to do it less often to find the ones that are interesting to you yeah absolutely and then and something else you you know you have a blog on empire flippers as well and you you give a lot of really excellent free content away to help you know prospective buyers do the due diligence and um you give a lot of tips and i have to say your, your email autoresponder thing is just probably one of the best that i'm subscribed to like i, I can't remember it I, I subscribed a while ago but i remember you asked like a question or two about you know what i was hoping to get out of the whole you know empire flippers interaction really and and then you just followed it up with so many really good emails that came every week and uh i did yeah just have to commend you on that it was really interesting but as a buyer it was very helpful as somebody who's not you know dove into this sort of thing it was great to get these you know great emails to you know teach me some of the tips of you know what needs to be looked into when you're thinking about buying a site so um so yeah so even though you're a agent of the seller you're definitely doing a lot of stuff on the site to help prospective buyers as well which is great 
Well, we have the uh, the marketplace problem, right? Where we've got both sides. You know, we've got two masters. You got the buyers and the sellers. And so, although we're an agent and the seller, you know, it's important for us to look after our buyers too. And you know, most of our buyers are repeat. Um, close to half of the websites we sell are people who have bought from us before. So I think keeping them happy and keeping them engaged is helpful. Um, the content, you know, I, I get beat up from some marketing, uh, some of my marketing buddies. They're like, look, you need to uh, to sell more in your emails. You need to, uh, um, you know, shorten them. They're, I guess they're too long <laughs> a bit. But, you know, our, our thought is like if we can share more information and, you know, it, it's free. It, it, I think it helps people get to know us a bit better. It helps us to understand or helps them to understand the process a bit better. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately that does bring in more sales uh, by being pr- transparent about the process and sharing, you know, all the information that I think a lot of other places don't. Um, so I think that helps separate us from, you know, some of the other either website brokers or people, you know, online talking about, you know, building websites and that kind of thing. And so, you know, we have a bunch of buyers that have, you know, said that or potential buyers that said, look, I want more information on the sites for sale. And then some people on our email list, you know, didn't select that option or aren't that interested. So it's easy for us to kind of tailor the content to what they want. So I'm not hammering people with websites for sale if they're not actually interested in buying. If they want more information on selling a site, I can give them that information and not kind of bother them with the other stuff. And I think this is, we call this the choose your own adventure email list. So you can choose the the bits of information that are interesting to you. And, uh, you know, depending on like, you know, what type of buyer or seller you are, you can actually, you know, further drill down and, and uh, we can send you content that I think is more relevant to you. Oh, absolutely. I, it's, it's, it's really great. Honestly, it's every time I get an email from you guys, I'm always excited about it because you're, you're exactly right. It's completely tailored to what I'm hoping to do and it doesn't have anything else that doesn't relate to me. So yeah, I definitely commend you. And, uh, that, that leads nicely into, uh, your user personas because, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat um, with online and business investing. So um, you guys actually put together, I think, six uh, different user personas. Um, each person, you you give, like, tips, and then you say what kind of sites would be good to buy and which sites to avoid. Um, so, yeah, that, that's an excellent idea, and it's, it's, it's great to be able to relate to the different types. For instance, I... I sort of relate to uh, DIY David and Lifestyle Larry, and uh, you know, you give descriptions of each of them. Like DIY David's a tinkerer; he's looking for a site he can purchase and grow on his own by you know actually getting hands-on with it and things like that. So um, that must have been a really big success for you guys uh, launching that because it's such an easy way to understand you know exactly what you're looking for, and, and like you said, you can tailor the messaging to those different personas. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we have the six different profiles and we're really categorizing, you know, people and, you know, not everyone fits every single thing. It's funny, though, actually, I'm glad you related to the DIY David and the, the Lifestyle Larry. The Lifestyle Larry is a pretty rare one. Uh, most people are more into the uh, the newbie norms of the <laughs> portfolio Paul. Um, and the idea is, is that, you know, some people want a more passive investment where some people want to tinker with the websites a bit more. They want to, you know, play with it and figure it out and try to improve it. Um I like personally I like the strategic Sally. I think those are they're harder websites to find, but basically it's when you find a website that offers a product or service that's a great match for your current audience or customer base. And so you can integrate that product really easily and get, you know, 2 to 3x um, you know, revenue and profit per month on what they're currently doing because you've already got the audience behind it or the customer base behind it and they're harder to find clearly and 
you know, like we, we have a bunch of sites listed. They're more for portfolio investors, but every once in a while, you know, one comes along that just fits someone really well and they can, you know, look at a more strategic acquisition. In fact, you know, when people are going to sell their websites, one of the first things we tell them, depending on the, you know, on the, the ticket price or the listing price, they may want to reach out to potential strategic buyers first before they even involve a broker like us. So, you know, they may have some others in their space that are going to see automatically the value in, you know, acquiring their e-commerce business or their AdSense site or their blog, um, you know, more than a portfolio Paul would get out of it. So if they can start reaching out to some of their competitors and find someone that's, that's able to buy it straight up, they might get a higher multiple or valuation than you would from someone who is just looking at it as a portfolio purchase. That's a really good call. And yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. You just, you know, if you already have an audience and it's easier, that's the thing. Like I, I'm not very good at figuring out how to get traffic. Like it, my site's grown just really naturally. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> in spite of my efforts, really, it's just, uh, so yeah, the idea of trying to grow a brand new audience just seems daunting, but yeah, if there, if there was a good site, you know, in the financial niche that, Maybe uh, you guys were selling, then maybe that would make sense for me since I already have you know an audience. So, uh, makes I really sense. like I, well, your site's really interesting. I mean, you talked to uh, Get Rich Slowly. I forget the guy's name. Yeah, JD Roth. Um, he was in the last one. Yeah, yeah. Sold his blog and and crushed it. I think he had a post on there that talked about some other the financial bloggers that had sold their their sites. And and uh, one of the major buyers for some of those blogs was Quinn Street. So. You know, Quinn Street does like a financial and, and a medical education space. They're, they're in a whole bunch of things. Um, but they were at one point buying up a bunch of blogs and, and bloggers that were in the financial niche. And they, you know, crushed it um, through a bunch of strategic purchases, strategic buys of uh, blogs that are out there. So, I mean, I think, you know, you're in a really good space for that. Um, so there, there are people that are looking to acquire, you know, from, from the low end to the high end on, in terms of these blogs and podcasts. And you're building a brand that now, these people are going to be event, uh, interested in over time. So, you know, looking at strategic purchase of your business would, would probably uh, be a, a good a good bet. Nice. Well, that's not something I've not really even thought of. So, yeah, anybody out there thinking about it, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I'm, op- I'm, I'm open to acquisition opportunities, man. <laughs> Give me a call, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, that is just something. Yeah, it's so foreign to me. I just wouldn't even think of it. But, yeah, that, that's the same thing JD said, though. He's like... Why would anyone want to buy a blog? And then he started getting just ridiculous offers. So, you know, um, you know why? Because it's authenticity in a space where there's not a lot of it. So you've got bloggers that are saying, "Look, you know, here's what I've tried and done some experimentation, and this definitely works." And and that's different than some like just kind of content based website about credit cards or whatever. Like that's not right. that's not what people respond to. They respond to podcasts where you're saying, "Look, here's what I've done, and you know, here's how I'm looking to to gain financial independence." And those are the things that really resonate with people. And so corporations get that. Some of the larger corporations get that. And they want to kind of piggyback on your authenticity because they don't have any of their own. <laughs> right. So they, they know that that's going to help their brand and you know their long-term like customer acquisition um, a lot better. I got a quick question for you. You guys talk – or you talk a little bit about like you know Lending Club and some of the like alternative investments. Yeah. Um, one thing I think is interesting, if you haven't checked it out, is uh, uh, there's a business called Realty Shares. And there's another one called uh, Fundrise, I think. And what they're doing is um, it's it's similar, you know, kind of like alternative investment strategy, but they do crowdfunding for real estate investments. So, you know, let's say there's a 20 um, 20 property kind of, uh, you know, rental uh, 
units. There's 20 rental units they want to purchase, and they're going to raise, let's say, 400000 and you know, like $1.2 in debt. And so they're looking for people to crowdfund this investment, and they take anywhere from like 5000 up to whatever investment you like. And, and they've got it there. They introduce third parties, so builders um, that have done this before and had experience, will kind of put together their proposal and and you can choose pick and choose the investments that you think are interesting and some of them sometimes it's like a 12 month return sometimes you're looking at 3 years depending sometimes they already have renters in place and it's a really interesting model for offline real estate and and we're actually looking to put something together like that for online real estate that I don't think even has been done yet. Um, it's a really interesting space for for investments. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 pretty interesting. If you get a chance to check that out, your listeners uh, like them all. I'd like to like to hear about it and see what they think. Yeah, definitely. I'll put some links in the show notes. And yeah, that's something I've not even uh, not even heard about. But yeah, that sounds interesting. So that's something you're looking into uh, doing for the online space. That would be pretty pretty interesting. Definitely. Yeah, I sent out you know I sent out an email to our our list and I said, hey, you know, here's some napkin math. We were thinking about this, and it seems really interesting. Like if we, uh, you know, end up per, you know running these sites for you and let you be a completely passive investor, and we gave you dashboards to log into, we did like quarterly reports where you can get on the calls. Is that is that something you'd be interested in? And we got just a ton of responses. I've got an email string with over 100 emails back and forth, you know, even like from guys like private equity that are saying, absolutely, we want to do something like this. And so we've been a bit slow putting it together because we're going through a redesign right now. But it's the interest is hot. And I think it's I think it's a really interesting space. Uh, if you look at the offline guys doing it, I, it's cool. It's really interesting. And I, I think I, we'd like to put together something like that in the near future. I, th- I think it'll first be like one to one investment. So an investor looking to buy one website. They do the investment, we run the site, and we kind of roll it out from there. Um, eventually, go you know the crowdfunding model, but I think that's a bit too complicated to start off with. That, yeah, that's that's cool. It's like yeah, just buying like a rental property and then having a property manager actually knows how to manage a property, take care of it for you, and uh, and yeah, you just collect smaller profits, but you're still you know having a higher uh, probability of success because you got somebody running it that actually knows what they're doing. So. Yeah, and it's it's hands off too, right? Like a lot of people are. We've talked to uh, website buyers or investors that are like, "Look, I love this site. I don't know anything about you know trying to put in the Amazon links or trying to find the. I, I just I, I love it, but I, that's not my it's not my space. So you know, I don't want to. I've got a day job where I'm making you know 150 thousand a year, and I, I I just want to take a look at this, but I don't know how to get involved with it. I think this gives them an opportunity to get involved in, in areas that they wouldn't be able to. Like it's a DIY David purchase, but they only want to be a portfolio Paul, and it gives them an opportunity to play the game. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's an excellent idea. That's uh, that's really cool, and I'm glad I'll be uh, there to hear about it whenever you guys do get it all done and worked out because, yeah, that sounds like an excellent idea. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of like long-term prospects because, you know, these, these multiples sound great. You know, it's a definitely a really exciting space. You know, it's very new compared to, you know, some of the standard investment options and things like that. Um, what have you seen as far as long-term? Um, you guys sell a lot of sites. Uh, have you dug into any of the data to see, you know, how many are successful after a couple years? Or Most of the feedback we get on this is anecdotal. So, you know, we've heard back from people that said, oh, you know, the investment dropped by about 30, 40 percent in the last six months. Um, and then we have other people that, you know, like it doubled within 12 years. So they'd already got their investment back. Uh, sorry, within 12 months. 
Um, so it's just kind of like the feedback that they choose to give us. We haven't gone around like systematically to find out. Um, it, it must be pretty good because we do have, you know, again, most, you know, well, not most, just under half, I think, of our buyers are repeat buyers. So they've bought web properties from us, you know, three months, six months, 12 months ago and are coming back for more. So it, it must be pretty good for them. Um, I do think there's pretty heavy amount of risk, though. So, you know, it, it, there is some fluctuations and it tends to be at the lower level. So, you know, sites that are earning, you know, let's say 150 bucks a month or $200 a month have more variance than a site that's earning three or $4,000 a month. Um, and I think it's just because it's not well diversified in terms of like traffic or in terms of monetization. So, you know, site earning 120 could easily go to like $50 a month. So that's a huge, that'd be a huge hit if it dropped to that uh, permanently. Whereas a site that's earning three, $4,000 a month might may drop by a couple hundred bucks here and there, but it's not as dramatic a drop. So that's one of the reasons I think that often, uh, unless you just totally want to, you're like learning your newbie norms and you're just totally learning and just want to get a feel for it and mess around with backlinks. In general, investors should look at buying larger properties rather than multiple small properties um, because the stability and the, the growth opportunity is bigger. So if you're going to mess with the site, you don't want to mess with the site that's earning you know, 200 bucks a month because you improve it you know, by 50%, you only go to $300 a month, right? I don't know how much time you spend on it, but that's only $100 a month in, in additional net profit. Whereas if it's at 3000 you go up by 50%, you're at you know, 4000 or I'm sorry, $4,500 a month in net profit, which may make, you know, a more significant impact in your, you know, uh, net, net take every month. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, Billy Murphy has a post called diversification that we talked about when he was on the show and he said, yeah, you know, the same thing, get, why would you get 10 little sites and then be so stretched and not do anything good with any of them when you could, you know, buy one focus on it and really, really, uh, ramp it up and, like you said, you're you're dealing with much bigger numbers at that point. So, so yeah, I love that. I, I love the diverse or the diversification <laughs> uh, uh, strategy. You know, a lot of people we talk to entrepreneurs because uh, we're in you know kind of an entrepreneurial space, and we talk about entrepreneurship on our podcast. And we you know we get people who are like, look, I'm current my current business. I've got a you know kind of a startup, a service business, making twenty five hundred dollars a month. But I'm worried because I don't feel like I'm di- you know diversified enough. I was thinking about getting into this, that, and this, and or like, look, you know, that's that's like a five-figure-a-month problem. When you get when your business is making five figures, then you can start to worry about diversification a little bit. But until then, it's just you should double down on whatever's working. If you found something that, you know, is resonating with your customers, your audience or something, do that. Do more of that. <laughs> Ask them, you know, is there anything else they need? Because that's your client base, and it can get a lot bigger than you're, you know, you're at currently. And trying to diversify, it's going to get messy. Right. No, that's great advice. So, um, so yeah, I want to just move on a little off that. Um, and a lot of my listeners, you know, these are people that are, you know, good with money. They're on the path to early financial independence. You know, they probably got a, a big chunk of cash in the bank and, um, they're maybe, you know, looking, maybe jump into this space. Um, so what would your advice be to someone like that? So, you know, some of the easiest sites to uh, purchase and, and take over and probably more passive would be a site that's earning via AdSense. Uh, it's got established traffic. It's been around for a while. It's been through some Google updates and it's, you know, earning via AdSense. Another one might be uh, something like Lead Gen. 
So, you know, it's doing uh, lead generation for, uh, you know, let's say the education space like Quinn Street. And they're working with Quinn Street and they're delivering leads and getting paid for those leads. So those are more passive investments. They're generally content-based and sometimes like geographically based. So the really the way to expand those sites would be to add uh, additional content around that niche. And sometimes it's actually add like localized content. So you know, something around the education space in, you know, Toronto or something around the education space in Chicago and adding content like that would be helpful. And those are, uh, those are easier sites, I think, to um, run and to kind of understand. Uh, when you get into, you know, drop shipping, um, that's a bit more complicated because you're now dealing with vendors. Um, but if you're, if you're interested in that physical product space, I'd say, you know, maybe an Amazon site, is a great opportunity because you know you're selling physical goods, but you're selling it through kind of the safety net of the Amazon affiliate program, and it has better uh, expansion opportunities because an AdSense site is normally content based or Legion is, you know, really just content based. Whereas Amazon sites are selling a bit, right? They're presenting a product and they're talking about the benefits and the risks and that kind of thing. So you can convert that to like a drop shipping site. And then you can go from drop shipping to an actual full-on e-commerce site. If if your drop shipping site is selling enough, you can you know get a container uh, shipped out from China and now start selling that and and uh, warehousing the products yourself. So I think there's some expandability there. Um, so yeah, I mean I think it it really kind of depends on what, how involved you want to be. If you want to be less involved, lead gen AdSense. If you want to be more involved. You know, kind of for a cheaper site, look at the Amazon sites. Or if you're looking to spend a bit more, look for like a drop shipping site that you might be able to convert, uh, you know, to a full-on uh, sourced e-commerce site. One thing I would warn about uh, for your audience is that even though a site doesn't look great, it might be better off that way. So you get some people that say, look, I'll just, you know, convert this design, make the site look better, and that will improve the value. Whereas sometimes these e-commerce sites, they're awfully ugly, but they're ugly because through testing. Like right. the owner tested and, and realized that you know the buyers are more comfortable with this, you know, 2004-looking website, and it sells more that way. Um, so I'd be a bit careful when I, I start looking at adjusting design uh, because that may have been already tested through. But I like I like the uh, the idea of moving down the rabbit hole in terms of. Um, you know, going from Amazon to drop shipping, drop shipping to uh, full on e-commerce, similar to like an AdSense site, looking to convert that to a lead gen if it's in a high growth uh, niche or space. There's a lot more, um, you know, monetization you can do. There's a lot more profit to be gained as you move down the, you know, down the value chain. That's really cool. I was, I was just wondering what your, what your opinion is on SaaS apps and things like that. I think there are, there are people doing it um, at a lower scale too. So uh, I've got a buddy that runs a company called Fat Cat Apps, and uh, you know they're working. He has a um, uh, one of those. It's like a table press type thing. So it works. You know, it gives you a table of options you can purchase from, and it works with WordPress. And he's got that, and he's got a couple of other um, web apps that he's worked on. And and they're not you know like wildly successful. It's not a singular focus for him. Um, but he's doing it. Um, I just think that a lot of times people are looking for people in the SaaS space are looking at a huge win, so they don't want to sell a business at fifty thousand. Say it's making two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a month in, in net profit. It's just not the level. Like they're thinking, you know, I want 
fifty million for my company. <laughs> so until it's that huge win, they don't, they're not even interested in selling. And we see them a few, uh, you know a couple of times. Like you'll see it every once in a while um, where one goes that has some opportunity, but often they're looking for the big wins. Like you know uh, Clay Collins and Simon over there at, at Lead Pages. Um, you know they're crushing it. They, they got a bunch of investment, and they're they're building out. I think uh, you know uh, um, they do you know lead pages where you know basically it's to help you with your um, conversions, converting email opt-ins and stuff. And they're crushing it, um, but they're monthly recurring. So there are players in the space that are building you know really really good um, you know uh, web apps. Uh, I think they're a good example. But you know there are a whole a lot of people that build these web apps that just don't quite take off. And, and a lot of times I think it's because. You know, maybe they're not marketers. They're developers, right. but not marketers. And so we've actually done, like, podcasts for, like, non-marketers on how to market your product. Because I think, I think they're, a lot of times they're selling themselves short. They're like, I built this. And they more care about, like, how it works functionally and less about how to actually sell it to people. And so they're like, well, functionally it works this way and this way and this way. But they're missing kind of the – they don't have a good product market fit or they're not, like, really promoting the benefits that are interesting to potential buyers. And so – yeah, I think you know a lot of times for, from a buying perspective, there are some really cool web apps you can buy up for really, really cheap and, and a strategic purchase. So maybe you already have a business and this would be a great offering to them, uh, but they're willing to sell for three to $5,000, whereas you know you can make three to $5,000 a month selling it. So right. there's a ton of opportunity in the buying space there. It's just, it's really hard to find those deals, right? It's really hard to find the one that's a great pickup for you. And we... um. Interesting side note: we we, we use a, a piece of software uh, um, to help track like our agents' time in the Philippines, so the work they were doing, and uh, it was called Hive Desk, and it had been in beta. We like kind of worked with them through the process, and they kind of built it based on our feedback and others. I'm sure that they had, and uh, you know, Joe had another my business partner had another bit of feedback for them and tried to reach out to the owner. He was like, "Wait, wait, what are you talking about? No, I, I sold that." Um, you got to reach out to these guys now. And we're like, what? We've been using this software. Paying, I don't know. It was like 100 bucks a month at the time or whatever it was. And and uh, we're like, well, what did you sell it for? Like, why did you sell it? He said, oh, I sold it for three grand to these guys. <laughs> we're like, what? What are you saying? Like, you're crazy, man. We would have cried. bought that. We would have paid up to 10 grand for that at the time. Yeah. And uh, But he sold it because he didn't really know. And, you know, he just – that was kind of cool. Want to move on. It wasn't a huge win for him. Anyway, these guys ended up buying it and doing pretty well with it. I'm sure it's worth a hell of a lot more than $3,000. We used it for, I think, years after that. <laughs> Continue paying the monthly fee even when they raised it or something. Yeah, it just – it's one of those things where if you're going to sell something and you've worked with some people or whatever, I mean, that's a good potential strategic opportunity too. Someone that uses your um, software as a customer, your customers potentially might be interested in purchasing it from you because they see the value because they're using it. They're paying you for it. So, right. yeah, they. I think that guy missed an opportunity there. We were we were mad. We were like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Why did you sell this thing and not, not talk to us about it? Yeah, that's hilarious. And, yeah, what you're saying about – not marketing and things like that yeah that that's the exact type of software developer i am like yeah i'm worried about features and functionality and marketing is just just seems so foreign to me so um luckily uh, you guys are helping me along the path to figuring out you know that side of the world um so yeah before we before we sign off uh you know obviously there's a ton of good content on your site for anyone that's interested in this stuff but is there anything in particular you'd say to look out for for someone who's you know hoping to you know purchase their first investment maybe is there are there big warning signs that uh you know that are 
may be obvious to you, but maybe not somebody just starting out, or is, uh, any good resources that you've written maybe that would uh, that you could point people to to learn more about what to look out for? Yeah, it depends on what you're interested in. But if you're interested in, I'd say, building uh, websites, um, I, first, I'd, a couple of people to mention, like Niche Pursuits, Spencer over at nichepursuits.com is great. Uh, there are some other great uh, guys like Anton from Dropship Lifestyle if you're interested in dropshipping. Or you know, you've got uh, Andrew Udarian from ecommercefuel.com talking about dropshipping and e-commerce. So those are kind of the builders that I like and, and would recommend um, checking out. Uh, in terms of you know buying websites or things to look out for, if, if nothing else, uh, make sure you look into the seller a bit. So have a bit, um, have like real offline you know, contact with the seller. Make sure they have a real profile because that's an easy win. It's an early win that you can do. Um, it's not going to guarantee the site's great or they're not BSing you, but people are less likely to do that with their real information and their real persona. So I think that's a quick kind of determinant on whether or not I would get involved in the site. Um, so that's a really good way to do it. But yeah, anyone interested in us, obviously you can check us out at empireflippers.com or we have a podcast on iTunes, Empire Podcast, and uh, have a listen. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely recommend it. And uh, yeah, Justin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your morning to talk with me. And uh, and yeah, sorry about those uh, audio issues earlier, but uh, it was you know tons of great information. I definitely recommend everyone out there go and subscribe to the email list and start getting all of those uh, messages that are completely tailored pretty much to your interest uh really impressive and uh and yeah i really appreciate it and hopefully uh some of my listeners and readers will uh maybe dive in and let us know how it goes oh thanks so much brandon really appreciate it and uh thanks for having me on the show man yeah no problem take care justin thank you very much to justin for taking the time to talk with me um i hope you agree that he just has a ton of Really great information to give. Um, it's amazing. I really love talking to these entrepreneurial guys because it just their mind just works in such a different way to mine, um, and they just have so many good ideas. We I chatted with Justin a little bit offline, and uh, just some of the stuff he was coming up with is amazing. So I, I definitely recommend you head over and sign up to the email list and uh, get all the good stuff that he sends out because it, it really is a lot of great information. And so yeah, I really want to thank. Justin again for taking the time to be on the show and uh, I'll see you guys next time. The derivative of the natural log of X equals one over finance.